Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> today we're we're going to go um, and uh, do a study on this commandment. You know, continue our study in the commandments of God. And as Josh pointed out, we'll be looking at this command: ask, and it will be given. So we'll go to Matthew chapter seven. So that'll sort of be our baseline text, but we'll jump around a little bit from there, but come back really to that as our sort of our main text for today. Um, and, you know, as as the title implies, this, this is really about the topic of prayer and, 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 and the Lord's commands for us to pray, right? And um, I was thinking about it and I've out of uh, just the way it worked out, uh, timing-wise and whatnot, I've been asked to preach on the topic of prayer several times, and I feel pretty inadequate, <laughs> um, you know, about the topic when you start really looking into what prayer is and what the Lord, you know, wants us to do, right? How reliant we have to be on it, I feel inadequate. But, you know, I think as most times when those who get up here speak, it's not because we are examples necessarily of what we speak, but we are speaking what we read from the scriptures, right? We'll just say what it is, that is the ideal, and we certainly fall short of those things, And but yet um, we need to study these and, and speak as it as it's uh, taught to us in Scripture. So, Matthew chapter 7, and we'll look at verse 7. Now, you you would remember, actually, you know what? Let's start with verse 1, because I think it's important. You know, this is a verse that our brother John spoke about uh, last week. So, we'll start there, because as he pointed out, it is the context into which we're put into um, verse 7 onwards, which we're going to focus on today. So let's start with verse 1. Do not judge so that you will do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what is man or 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 what man is there among you who when he his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Right? Let's uh, ask him for help. Our Father, we thank you that um, you have given us your word and, and your Holy Spirit indwells those who believe in you so that we can read your word and learn um, your heart. We pray that we would be able to learn more of thee today and uh, out of it that we'd be followers of you, doing what you would want us to do and desire to do in our lives. We thank you again for this time. Commend it to your care in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it's important to spend a little time on on this idea of context that John was trying to teach us regarding uh, the topic from last week, which is, you know, do not judge so that you will not be judged, right? And so, you know, the the idea that, you know, if you just pick out phrases or verses out of the Bible and just apply, misapply them, right, without really understanding what the setting of the verse was, it, it becomes a problem, right? You, you have, you're likely to go down a wrong path. And because Scripture as a whole is given to us, right, so you have to look at the whole Scripture and try to understand what God is trying to teach us, right? It says in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handing, handling the word of truth. Or, or in other chapters it says, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? So we, ha- we want to be able to look at scripture and rightly divide it, cut it straight, break it down in a way so that we're not projecting our biases into it, but to look at it in a, in a in a holistic way. So, if we look at the context of this and of the verses that when we get to verse 7, you know, it's really, it's really so many um, commandments that God is giving us in, in chapter 6 into chapter 7. And, you know, if we go to the, you know, the judging part was the latest one in, in many teachings that, that came before. And the idea is, you know, for example, with the judging, it's saying, you know, judge fairly, right? Judge rightly, as John helped us to try to understand. Judge rightly, uh, judge fairly. That's what it's saying. Not that we never judge, but we have to do it rightly and fairly. And so the the point of this is that you're coming into this place where 
you go, you know, there, there's a very high standard set for us, right? Judging fairly. How do you judge fairly? Can you do it on your own? You realize, no, I can't. I, I, I don't have, I need discernment. I need help from God to do all the things that have been commanded before, right? And so when we come to verse 7, it says, you know, your automatic reaction is, oh, I can't do it, Lord. And it says, ask, and it will be given to you. So it is not talking about material things that you want to accumulate or, you know, whatever, right? It's not like you're treating God, you know, we've heard this before, like some slot machine or or vending machine or cosmic, like genie, where you just, you know, any desire of your heart, material thing, uh, you give and, and he's going to provide it. That's not the context, right? The context tells us that all this is coming before us and then he's, you know, the Lord is telling us, but if you feel inadequate to do these things, ask, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you, right? So that's, I think, the important takeaway about this context, right? That we need to um, we need to be able to have discernment, right? We need to have discernment about, you know, when is the right time to judge? Or the preceding verse right before this is an interesting one. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, what is that talking about? Well, the idea is that you might there's there's there might come a point in time where whether it's offering good judgment to somebody about something they've done might not be effective anymore. There, or giving the gospel at some point in a certain circumstance might not be appropriate because they're going to use it to trample the gospel under feet, right? So you pick a better time to do it. But, you know, that time might not be the right time because because of who they're with or somebody. And so, but how do you do that? It, you know, we have to be very careful when we say, oh, I'm not going to tell this person about the gospel at this point because, you know, it, it needs discernment, right? That he's going to, th- this person's going to just trample it under feet, and despise it. Maybe this is not the right time, but in order to, it's and that's the idea, right? When you cast pearls before swine, swine don't care about pearls, right? So, you know, when you cast good things like that in front of, and they're going to be rejected and trampled on, there needs to be much discernment from God for that. And so God is saying, well, if you don't feel like you know those things, if you need help, and you will need help, Ask. All right, so that's that's sort of the short. You know, we could get into exactly more details about it, but that's I think that's the sort of the foundation that we want to set. That it's 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 not about uh, this asking is not about just any old you know desire, and we'll we'll see what it means and what kinds of things God might be asking us to ask about. But I think in the general context, we can see. The where where this is going, right? So the the way I'm gonna 
approach this topic, we'll look at, uh, you know, the, the Lord Jesus had several commands concerning prayer and uh, that are related to this. So I might jump to a couple of other places, but, I, you know, we'll, we'll use this. So the, the words that I, that I want to focus on and, and given here are these three words, right? Ask, seek, and knock, right? So we'll, we'll just go into each of these words and try to dig in a little bit more about what those might be meaning and what, what the Lord would have us uh, think about when we um, see those words. Alright, so when, when, when we read the, when, when we read verse 7, the, the way it's set up, it's, you know, I, I like the, um, the living translation has a way that presents the tense in that in a better way, right? It's like a, a pre- present imperative tense. It says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, in, in that translation says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you, right? So the idea is that it's a keeping on doing. It's not a one-time thing. You you do it and you keep on doing it, right? You keep on asking. You keep on seeking and you keep on doing. That's one thing. The other thing is when we ask, that word ask is really this idea of begging or asking a superior for something that they are able to provide for you. So you're you're asking, right? It's a simple it's a simple word, but it's this idea of a petition to somebody who is superior to you to ask for something. And when you think about this word, I, I think I thought of you know three things is probably more of what that means, right? One thing that that word brings to mind is that we have access to God to ask Him that, right? So we shouldn't take that for granted. We have access to God, right? So, so um, if we turn, if you just keep your finger in Matthew and turn to Hebrews chapter four, we'll just we'll go through a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter in Hebrews. We'll just read chapter four and verse sixteen. They're just words that we need to remind ourselves of, right? As we think of this word asking and this idea of access. In verse 16, Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? That's verse 16, chapter 4, verse 16. Turn a few pages over to chapter 10 and verse 22. It says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, you know, 
I think the reminder of this axis is so important that we are able to access the throne of grace. I mean, like, the sovereign, it's the throne room of the sovereign God of this universe. Just think about that. That you have access to that room. Resplendent, glorious. That that one who is sitting on the throne is able to provide to do whatever, right? He's able to give us whatever we need. And so we have the privilege to prostrate ourselves and fall at the feet of the sovereign God of this universe that we are able to access Him even though He is holy that He cannot stand in the presence of sin but because believers in Him are cleansed by the blood right that we can have full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience that we can approach that holy God and lay our burdens at at His feet and ask right we have access I think that's just such an important thing to remember as we think of that word asking right asking God the other related thing that it will remind us is that when we approach this throne of grace because of who sits on that throne we have an expectation of answer why would we ask if we don't expect a response doesn't make sense does it we have to we're asking in expectation of a response Right? And that is why the verse coming back to Matthew it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Right? Ask and it will be given to you. So there's an there's a we have access, we have an expectation of a response, and the other the third thing that when we talk about asking is that there is that idea that we are depending on God. Right? I hope that is our attitude day in and day out, that we depend on God. That is so key to asking God and to be in prayer, that we have this heart of dependence, right? That we don't think that we have solutions. And even if we think we do, it may not be the best solution. And so we are depending on God to give us wisdom. Right? <laughs> Depending on us, on God to give us wisdom. Our first instinct, my first instinct, instinct is always, oh, I can do this and this, or give money here, or or solve it this way, and not to go to the Lord in prayer. But our God, I think, He would want us the habit of our heart to be first to ask him to ask to be dependent 
Alright, so the next the next word it says is seek and you will find or better yet keep on seeking. Seek and keep on seeking that you will find. So we'll, we'll just turn uh, keep your finger back in Matthew again. We'll turn to John chapter 14 to learn a little bit more about another commandment of God that I think ties with this idea. We, we also have a verse in John, I mean Matthew 7 as well, but um, it'd be good for us to look at another verse regarding <coughs> prayer from our Lord, a commandment. It says John 14 and verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, will he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right, so, again... the Lord Jesus cared for his disciples and he was going to go away but he's giving them hope he's saying that they're going to be able to ask the Father in my name and so I think the phrase that connects the asking of the Father with the seeking is I believe that little phrase in my name right in my name and the idea is that when you ask I think you know when we pray we just throw in these words at the end you know in the Lord Jesus name but they're very very meaningful (laughs) You know, they have to be very meaningful. They're not just words you throw in at the end of every prayer. The notion is that you are, when when you're doing something in somebody's name, it means that what you're saying is aligned with their name. It means something, right? It's not something they would disagree with. It's like, you know, you're... You're the an emissary of a great king and you go to another king and you say, I am speaking on behalf of or in the name of king, whatever, right? You And then you say something that just completely doesn't match what that king says. That's not in his name, right? You're, you know, the, the person hearing that is like, no, that, that doesn't sound like, you know, that king. It's not. So the point is, you're asking something in his name and so the idea here I think is that we want to seek God's fellowship and God's heart so that when we pray we pray according to his will right in his name that what we say 
aligns with what he would say. It requires faith. And what is the end goal? Well, what is the end goal? When you ask in his name, it's not because you want more fame. It's not asking because you want more fortune. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we need wisdom, right? In knowing what will glorify the Father. Is what I'm praying for, would it be glorifying to the Father? So seeking is such an important aspect of praying. And you can pray about seeking. (laughs) I mean, you can ask God, you know, help me to know you more. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Jeremiah 29 says, then, 29 and verse 12 and 13, we don't have time to turn there, says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Can we say that in our lives? That we are searching for God with all our heart? Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. And so God reveals himself to us when we seek him. Reveals things to him that, you know, we've had an experience that I'm sure if you've been a believer for a while that, you know, you read something and you're like, oh God, I, I didn't know about that. That's, that's you're amazing. That's a, something I never thought about. And as you seek through the scriptures, you learn more about him and you're able to align your prayers with what God would want. So, we want to be able to seek Him. I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Proverbs 8.17 So when we seek Him, we'll be able to pray in His name and we'll be able to get divine help to live out his teaching and commandments. Okay, the final word coming back to Matthew 7 is this word knock. So first we ask simply petitioning, <coughs> seeking to know God and what his will is and what we can pray in his name, you will find And then we knock. And the idea there, I believe, is this idea that knocking is not like just a one rap, right? There's this idea of multiple, right? It's it's the idea that you knock, and even the tense of that you you knock and you keep on knocking. There's more to it than just asking 
And there's many a time where we need to knock. Right? So, again, we'll come back to Matthew 7. But let's look at a, a little section in Luke chapter 18. Again, another place the Lord talks about God's commands. And I think it's related to this idea of knocking. Although, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll first read it and then we'll, we'll comment on it first. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that all, that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. So that was the goal of the parable, right? That they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but after he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect him, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect, who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So again, the context of this really is talking, if you go back in these verses, it's really talking about the tribulation time, and people are going to be in deep distress, and God is telling them that in their deep distress, they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, although it's not specifically directly applicable to the up to us we're not in the tribulation we are the principles can definitely be applied to us now it's a little you know I, I don't know about you but this parable was always a little uncomfortable to me right because you're thinking about this prayer you have this unrighteous judge and you can see that the analogy of the woman the widow being that one who is approaching, you know, the widow as as the people who are praying to God and the judge as the, you know, as somebody who might represent God. But if you really take that, you realize that that doesn't hold, right? It's, it's not the the point of it is 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 not is not um, that that the unrighteous judge represents God, right? Because God is not unrighteous, right? I think it's the, 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 the thrust of this parable is really not even on the widow. I think it is on the judge. And it is a parable about um, contrast, right? It is not a parable of comparison. So it's important to understand that while we study this parable right it's about contrast and not about 
um, comparison. And so you can draw out many contrasts, and the focus really is on a contrast between a father, our father, God the Father, as one we approach in prayer, and this unrighteous judge. But there, and, and so the, the point is not also related to this idea that just as it's not the folk, the widow is not the focus, right? So many would try to teach that, um, that this, that this pestering kind, you know, we're gonna pester God into, um, answering our prayers, right? That, that's not the, that's not the thrust of this. But there is an idea of this knocking, and I'll, I'll come to it in a second. But the point really I wanted to bring out, just to clarify what this is about, is is if you look at the contrast, I tried to list some of them. It says, in this, in when when we come to prayer, we come to when we come to God in prayer, uh, God is willing to help us, right? He wants to answer us. This judge is unwilling to help, right? He was unwilling. It says verse 4. For a while he was unwilling. And the woman was presenting. So there's a, there's a, there's a, an analogy brought between the widow. She is presenting her plea before this unrighteous judge. But then in verse 7, it says, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him? So there's his elect versus this stranger widow, right? That's that's a big difference, right? That's a contrast, right? The judge, the woman was a stranger, right? We are the elect, of course. The our God's we're God's God's children. The judge was unrighteous. We already said that God is perfectly righteous. The woman comes into a court. We enter into the throne of grace. The judge answers for the fear of being wearied out from the constant petitions by this woman. God answers so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right? God is not pestered into submission. That's not the point. However, there is this notion... It says, Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Right? Who cry to him day and night. That is the knocking, I believe. Right? This idea that there is a perseverance in prayer. That you... That, that, what's that's the idea? That, that you ought to pray and not lose heart. The circumstances don't... Um, dissuade you from to keep knocking and lose heart. That God's delay in answering a prayer will not dissuade you from continuing to ask God. I was talking to a brother Pepe and he was telling me exactly of, of this, right? God's delay in answering a prayer. We have been praying for his sister for many 
years. But God delayed in answering that prayer. We ought to pray and not to lose heart. We need to knock. Keep knocking, brothers and sisters. We ought to pray and not lose heart. And so we knock, not in a repetitious sort of empty word routine, but with heartfelt desire, fervent, knowing that, for example, the salvation of one is in God's will. He wants that no one should perish. That's in God's will, no doubt. And so we pray. We bring it to God's attention. That persevering in prayer is so important. It helps us, it disciplines us. It enlarges our faith. It helps us grow in our relationship with Him. It helps us to depend upon Him more. Sometimes he'll answer quickly, but sometimes he won't. There's so many examples of of that kind of knocking, that kind of persistence, that kind of perseverance. Right? We we read today, I read in in um, Corinthians where Paul what Paul prayed three times about the thorn in his flesh. Right? He prayed three times. Or uh, the Syrophoenician woman, remember she kept repeatedly asking the Lord for help. And God, and then the Lord Jesus says, you know, you know, basically calls her a dog, right? Like a Gentile dog. And she, what did she, she didn't like, oh, he, you know, walk away. She said, yes, but I want an answer to prayer. Right? There's so many verses, right? So many cases of good examples where persistence to to persevere in prayer is so important to not grow weary so as we think about this I think I'll close with just you know just an encouragement for us to, to really think about our prayer lives right individually you know are we are we characterized by asking God for things in His will, right? And, and, and brothers and sisters, if it's not in His will, I still think you pray. It's better to pray. God will, God will honor that. You know, sometimes I'd be, I was thinking, you know, I didn't study for this test. You know, should I can I really go and ask God to help me in this test? You know, I didn't really do what I was supposed to do. What what should I do? I'll just say, God, I don't deserve it. Go to him in prayer. It might not be his will, but I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I know that, Lord. But talk to him. Say say what what you know, just bring it to him. He'll honor that. 
He might not answer in the way you want, but he'll honor that. I believe it. I mean, as a father, I would with my children. If they came and, and I knew they then they knew they had messed up and didn't deserve what they were asking for, but came, I'd you know, I'd hear it. So do we pray as we ought? Are we persevering in prayer even though the circumstances would make us want to quit? What about as a corporate body? Are we fervent in our prayers? Are we eager to come on Wednesday night and pray? Join with one another and lift our request to God. This is God's command. And so my encouragement is let's pray. Let's become you know there might be people in our midst who are especially able to pray but every one of us needs to pray every one of us ought to pray and not grow weary individually and corporately but praise God that he has given us access he has given us the ability to come and talk to him to have discernment about spiritual things to have wisdom as James as it says in James to pray for wisdom and he will give us wisdom let's pray our father we thank thee for your word we thank you for its purifying effect on us and we pray, Father, that we would, by your Spirit, not be discouraged today, but just be encouraged to obey your commands, to trust in you more, to know more of you, to understand how you see things in this world. And to be able to persevere in our prayer. We pray that we would be all more equipped, better equipped to do that in the coming days. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit who resides in each believer here to help us to pray to help us to judge rightly, to help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here who doesn't know your Son as Savior, that they would come to you. So that they as well would have access to that throne of grace by the shed blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus. That they would have a place of refuge we commend our time to you we thank you for the lunch you provide downstairs bless it to our bodies we pray for the VBS as well at this time Lord may you be glorified in that we pray that there would be good participation and we ask for your blessing in all that 